few Sundays ago, we talked about our vision as a church and what God was calling us into. In that were five statements, and I won't go through them all now, but the first statement was reaching out and gathering in. And part of that was about stepping in to help the lost, the broken, the hurting through supernatural ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to try my best today to talk about this story that Abele read so beautifully about this woman. Because I believe that this woman is a type. She was a real person and she's also a type. She's a type in so many ways of people that you and I come across every day. And sometimes she's us. Now one of the things that is hard sometimes, and I I grew up in a great church, lovely church family, excellent teaching. Yeah, it was good. And it was wonderful, but sometimes you could come away with this idea that the good news was a set of ideas or moral principles or teachings, ways to lead your life, ways to live in a right way. And I certainly wouldn't want to take that away from the gospel because I think that that is part of it. But to leave it there would be leaving out something or someone who's really important. The good news is a person. And I'm really big on that because what I desire and what the Father desires, the reason why I am here in this church, is for each of you and all of us and the folks out there to have an encounter with the living God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now it's important to talk about the the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. These are ways that we can see the Holy Spirit at work in the world. But beyond power and presence is something else. I want to go deeper with you today. Beyond power and presence is person. You see, we can become won over, and in a good way, won over by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Through personal encounter, through signs and wonders, through healings, through miraculous things, through our relationships with friends and family and loved ones. But when I say I hunger for the Holy Spirit, I don't just hunger for His power or His presence. I'll take it. I'll take that. 
But on a deeper level, I hunger for his person to be with him and for him to be with me. And I hunger for that for you. I am deeply expectant, deeply anxious for this to be something that happens in your life. Jesus has this to say in Luke 17, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. It's not a building, it's not a set of rules, it's not a code of governance, it's not a king or a queen, it's not a government, it's not a castle. And people won't say here it is or there it is because the kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom of God is here and it's with you. And in John 14, 6, Jesus explains more. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's what Jesus says. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so you see... I really believe that encounter with the person of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is God, encounter with the person of the Holy Spirit is what God wants in your life. And we do this thing sometimes, and I've done this in the past, and we kind of think about the Holy Spirit as a, as a, as a bird or like a gentle breeze through the trees or, or kind of a, a settling mist. And, and if you look out on the, the, the sunsets this time of year in Bath, you can, you can get a sense of God's presence in creation that way. And, it, and the Holy Spirit is that. But He is most certainly not limited to that. What I'm talking about is supernatural power. Power that comes from the person of the Holy Spirit. And on Pentecost, the Spirit shows us His power. It's not calm at all. Neither is it gentle. It's a demonstration of power among human beings. And it delights, and it shocks, and it confuses, it creates, shakes up. And I feel that what the Holy Spirit says in those moments is don't forget. I'm not just a presence of calm. I'm not just the, you know how you go into a room sometimes and someone's been in the room and maybe they've had on this really lovely perfume and then they leave the room and you come in and you think, someone's been here. Isn't it lovely? There's this, there's this presence. And the Holy Spirit is that, but then the Holy Spirit comes back in the room 
and he expects to meet you there. He is deeply desiring of your personal attention, your encounter. He is expectant and expecting to meet you. You see, in the power of the Holy Spirit, He is also Creator. He's Creator. You listen to what Peter says on Pentecost when he reads that bit of Joel and he talks about the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. It is that same Spirit that Jesus gifts in the name of the Father to his disciples, to believers, and to the world, this power of creation that is at work in your life today, right now. The Holy Spirit is a healer. And he can be a fixer of problems. But that's not his only purpose. You see, his purpose is all tied up in your creation and transformation. Because what the Holy Spirit wants for your life is redemption. Being made new. The Holy Spirit is all about creation. And it ain't just cosmic, which it is. He wants to create your life right now. If you can just imagine for a moment, just draw a line where you are in life at the moment. Just draw a line in your head. From this point forward, the Holy Spirit wants to do something new in your life. He wants to create your story is bigger and better than you could ever tell on your own. And so you need his help and his creative power. Now what does Paul do? Paul and Silas have this encounter. It's not with the Holy Spirit. It's with a demonic spirit in this lady that's torturing her, depriving her of the creative power of the Holy Spirit. It has turned her against God and has enslaved her. Have you noticed that in this story that the demonic spirit has a partner? This demonic spirit has a partner that allows him to do this evil work and the partner is another human being who's enslaved this woman. Paul would have known Isaiah 43 so well. And I can hear him in his mind saying, we need a new thing here. We need a new thing. This is what the Lord says. 
He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, God says, I am doing a new thing. And now it springs up, and don't you perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The people I formed for myself, and they proclaim my praise. And so the Holy Spirit is creator in your life and in mine. And when we talk about revival, and Lord, I am deeply hungry for revival, we are not just talking about renewal, of taking the old thing and changing it slightly, shining it off, dusting it off, repackaging it and selling it. Revival is revolution. It's complete overturning of our lives. When Jesus comes in and he clears house in your life and my life, he doesn't keep the old stuff. He's not interested in all the things that we've built. He says, I am the creator. And you are my creation. And let me show you the new thing that I am doing in your life. Today, in your mind, can you draw a line under your life? Right now, today. And say, Holy Spirit, I'd like you to create something new in my life. Not just because it's nice, which it is. Not just because he can, but he wants to. He desires that. He hungers after you. Did you know that? That he fusses over you? He loves you dearly in a fastidious way. Fussing over every little detail of your life. Not because he's bound by a contract. As if God was saying, I'm really stuck here. I made these people. Not hugely fond of them. But I made them and so I kind of need to feed, feed and water them occasionally. No. He's deeply desirous of loving relationship with you. That's why the Bible talks about this relationship of Jesus and the church like a marriage. It's intimate, guys. It's deeply intimate. And the Holy Spirit wants that in you. But there's something threatening that in the world. And that thing is bondage to everything else but God. It's slavery to everything else that is not Jesus Christ. Every little thing we try and create, every plan or scheme that we come up with that's not informed by Him, 
or created by him or designed by him is a falsehood. And he doesn't want it. He doesn't want it in your life and he doesn't want it in mine. There are times when we as a church will come across the sin of the world in shocking ways. There are times, and I will warn you now, that you will come across people who are possessed by demons. It happens, I've seen it. What I want to remind you of now is that this is evidence that the Holy Spirit desires to do a new thing in everybody's life. There's an opportunity for everyone to come to faith. And we are put here in this family, not just kind of, have you seen the image of um, Lady Justice? She's got, got these scales and she's blindfolded and she's, she's on top of the, the, the royal courts in London. And, and um, you know, she's holding the scales and the idea is that, is that she makes the scales even. That's, that's legal justice. And sometimes as Christians, we get this notion where we kind of stand in the middle, don't we? We're kind of in the middle of the scales. And, and we, we, we see the good and we see the bad and we're just in the middle and we kind of pass judgment over all of it. And Jesus says, no. You are deeply involved because I am the creator God. And I am doing a new thing. And you are commissioned, you are appointed and anointed to intervene for the kingdom of God in this place and out there. Supernatural ministry is that intervention. We were doing a deliverance ministry for a woman in my last church. It happened to be at the end of an Alpha course on the Holy Spirit Day. No coincidence, I don't think. She's a lovely woman. Really normal? Is that the right word? I don't know. How. Normal lady? <laughs> Liked quilting and coffee and ran a cafe with her husband. She'd been baptized a couple weeks before and she'd been kind of struggling. That was evident. But when she came up for prayer and everybody else had left, and it was just me and another one of my leaders. She said, I just I have this feeling. It's just a, just a kind of pressure or darkness. She said, it's on my shoulders and it's kind of in, in here. And she said, on the day of my baptism, as I was going down in the water, just like we, just like we did here, didn't we, Joanna? She said, as I was going down in the water, I felt this hand pushing me out, saying, no, I do not want you to be baptized. And this dark force had stayed with her. And we began to pray. And I can't remember if it was me or my leader when we prayed. I can't remember what we prayed. But when we said these words, in the name of Jesus Christ, she let out this almighty shriek, and it was like it was from here, and it just came out. And the temperature in the room dropped by about five degrees, physically, 
it became cold and dark. That leader and I, we left church that day. And I proceeded to get in all series and manners of arguments and frustrations with all kinds of people. I felt tired and lethargic, felt kind of depressed, even though I had no reason to feel depressed. And in the weeks ahead, I said, you know what, I need some prayer. And I got some folks from around church and they prayed for me and they were able to pray off that spirit that had attached itself in some way to me. Now I tell you this story because I'm not glorifying the work of the enemy. He doesn't have a seat at my table. But I'm telling you this story because the Holy Spirit is real. And the spirits he faces that are of the enemy are real too. You need to believe that. And you need to know that. Because they are at work everywhere. Now Jesus' victory has been claimed. And nothing can overturn that. But in the meantime, until he returns again, he will do everything in his power to deceive us, to instill us with fear and anxiety and worry. And most of all, the enemy will try and convince you that the Holy Spirit is not real, that he has no power, and that he has no person. But we don't need to worry about that. Because I've got some encouraging words for you. And I'll just close with this. I'll tell you a story of a man named John Wesley. Who's heard of John Wesley? John Wesley was an Anglican priest. <laughs> he was an Anglican priest for 10 years. And he was really coming to the end of himself. He thought, I just don't know what I'm doing here. I'm preaching to a dwindling congregation every Sunday. I'm finding it difficult to keep up with all my responsibilities. John's brother, Charles, became very ill, life-threateningly ill. And as he lay on his deathbed, he said he felt this presence in his heart. And he knew it was God. And suddenly, he believed. He believed in a way that he had never believed before. And he prayed right then and there that his brother John would have the same experience. John Wesley tells his own story. He says, In the evening I went very unwillingly to a society in Aldersgate Street where one was reading Luther's preface to the Epistle to the Romans. About a quarter before nine... While he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. Now he wrote those words 12 years into being a priest in the Church of England. And that's important to say because your appointment with the Holy Spirit 
is when he chooses and he wants it today and it doesn't matter if you're a priest or if you're whoever he has his work to do in you and that's the most important thing and the last little bit I'll close with is just a humorous thing from his journal just a humorous thing so John Wesley then leaves and he goes out and he starts preaching preaching anywhere and everywhere in the countryside outside coal mines on the street Sunday morning May 5th preached in St. Anne's was asked not to come back anymore Sunday p.m. May 5th preached at St. John's Deacon said, get out and stay out. Sunday a.m., May 12th, preached at St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. Sunday p.m., May 12th, preached at St. George's. Kicked out again. Sunday a.m., May 19th, preached at St. Somebody Else's. Deacons called special meeting and said I couldn't return. Sunday p.m., May 19th, preached on the street. Kicked off the street. Sunday a.m., May 26th, preached in a meadow. Chased out of the meadow as bull was turned loose during the service. Sunday a.m., June 2nd. Preached out at the edge of town, kicked off the highway. Sunday p.m., June 2nd, afternoon service. Preached in a pastor. 10,000 people came to hear me. 10,000 people went to hear John Wesley. The question that is left with each of us is really simple. The question that is left for each of us is this. Do you